it's the intersection of politics and economics. The difference. Welcome to it. I'm Dan O'Donnell, joined as I am each and every episode by Dave Spano, the president and CEO of Annex Wealth Management. And Dave, I will admit up front, I completely forgot where I heard this, but it was from someone I respect. Obviously not someone who's particularly memorable, mm. <laughs> but someone I respect over the weekend. It was in that tweet or a blurb I happened to catch on TV or something. I don't even know where this got into my consciousness. But he was saying that the moment that we are in right now is like 2007 when Steve Jobs unveiled the iPhone with artificial intelligence being even more transformative than the smartphone revolution was, that it's just going to upend everything we think we know about not just investing, not just about our financial future, but about the future generally. Yes. So already ChatGPT has 100 million subscribers. I mean, think yep. about that already. And, and we're still figuring it out. And of course, you know, if you put something in there, you have to be careful what you put in and how you put it in, because the answers that you're going to get are going to be all over. I used to work with a guy, doesn't work here anymore, but he was an authoritative bullshitter. He could say it, man, and you believed it no matter what. And, I, and so I started to fact check the guy. I used to write down the numbers of the stuff. But he said it, and you're like, oh, there's just no way he's wrong. And that's kind of what you're getting. And there was a 60 Minutes episode last weekend that talked about that, that it says it, and but it makes stuff up. In fact, uh, Leslie Stahl, well, and not that we're promoting 60 Minutes, but Le Leslie Stahl asked a question and said that she was at – NBC for 20 years. Well, she wasn't. She was at CBS for 20 years. But it says it in such with such demand. So that's the risk. The risk is it, it screen scrapes and just pulls some BS from all over the place. But the flip side is I do agree what's in front of us is phenomenal. There's no question if you want to get a report on something and if you write the correct question, it gives you a nice response. But you need somebody who has a frontal lobe, cerebral right. aspect to go through and say, ah, I call BS here and, and, I, and I correct it. So you can go ahead and use it, but we need your law degree to, to go through it, Dan, and, and make sure it's really correct. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. But as a talk show host, I think you could say my job description is authoritative bullshitter. So <laughs> I, I, I can appreciate the guy you used to work with, yeah. <laughs> but it is, it, that's, that's a great way of looking at it. And it, you, you do still need a human intelligence to guide the artificial intelligence. But my broader point, like eventually, yes, we are going to be at a point, and I think it's going to be a lot quicker than people think, where artificial intelligence is actually replacing jobs that you would never think could be replaced by an artificial intelligence, yep. i.e. people who are writing computer code, mm -hmm. i.e., People who are writing news copy. You would think, well, we need a human being to write a news story to be able to, you know, convey what's going on in the world around us. Well, maybe not. And in fact, one of the funnier things I was watching last week tonight, not this past Sunday, but the Sunday before, and John Oliver, if you get a chance, uh, he's, you know, he's left wing. Yep. Right. But he's he's a very funny, very uh, good analyst. And it's a very entertaining show. He devoted probably a full half hour to artificial intelligence. Oh. And he said it, one of the funniest I'll things he's seen was, oh, yeah, highly recommended, highly recommended. 
He said one of the funniest things he's seen is this new trope in news where a reporter will read something and say, that wasn't written by me. Mm-hmm. It was written by an artificial intelligence. And John Oliver said, hey, uh, maybe not show your bosses how easy it is to replace you. <laughs> right? <laughs> right, right. So the point is that while we will have artificial intelligence sort of unleashed on society within a decade, probably closer to within five years, right now what it's allowing people to do is to do homework mm-hmm. for them, mm-hmm. right? Yep. To do, and in fact, my my son said something as you're working on a project for like an AP social studies class. Right. And he said, oh, because he's in a group project and he's with his buddies and he knows one of them too well. And he said, oh, well, you know what? I should probably run anti-plagiarism software through this to make sure mm-hmm. he didn't just make up. Or well, he didn't but that's what it is. It's, what it scre- it's screen scraping. So he's got to right, be careful of that. Yep. It, exactly. And if, fortunately, I, he, I'm like, well, what software is that, buddy? And he had something that apparently they use at his school to make sure that an artificial intelligence isn't writing your piece, that, mm-hmm. that you know, something like that. But my point is that as a tool, I'm going to read some numbers for you. As a tool... Chat GPT is just setting all kinds of records. This is for all of the most popular tech companies in America. The time it took to reach 100 million users. Netflix, 10 years. Mm. Gmail, five years. Twitter, five years. Facebook, four and a half years. WhatsApp, three and a half years. Instagram, two and a half years. TikTok, nine months. Chat GPT, two months. Mm-hmm. Two months to get to 100 million active users. That tells me that we are just in the beginning stages of a massive revolution. And since Chat GPT and yes, I know it's sort of the woke artificial intelligence, but the, the the applications that it has are far beyond WhatsApp, are mm-hmm. far beyond Gmail, which is just a, an email service and, you know, a, a way mm-hmm. of communication. ChatGPT is immediately adopted by the public. I mean, immediately. And the applications for it are limitless. I mean, like this to me has the... The, the the markings of something that will just completely remake everything, like life as we know it, and sure. do it a lot quicker than we think. But it's going to be, you're going to see it in healthcare. You're going to see it in obviously all forms of technology, driving, right? Everything that we do, there's, there's no question that it is coming. But how do we participate in that and make sure that, of course, it doesn't take over our lives? Uh, but there's no question that we're going to look for efficiencies in how I can tie this all together, if you'll allow me. Think about the jobs mismatches that we have in this country. Again, 11 million job openings, 6 million unemployed, almost a two-to-one ratio that are out there. Why can't some of these jobs be filled or down-level jobs? be filled and of course we promote some people you know, you know you obviously we know that you know there's kiosks and everywhere we go now from from the airport to McDonald's 
this is coming as well. So how about that we we try to solve the jobs mismatches using some of this stuff and bring it to the Fed because the Fed has so many reports that are going to come out here in the next couple of weeks, jobs reports, inflation reports, all heading to the Fed. The Fed is looking backwards. They're looking in the rearview mirror. We all know of the massive policy mistake that they made when they continued to buy bonds a year after uh, we were working our way out of the pandemic. A year after, on long party lines, there was $2 trillion fiscally put back in along party lines, put back into the economy. So the Fed is looking backwards. What about looking forward, and what about that opportunity set, and what about trying to get the Fed to, to not look at jobs that, that may not be filled? That is a conundrum that they're going to have, because if they continue to raise rates to a point that they break the economy, it'll be the third massive policy mistake that they have made in a short amount of time. So let's tie that all together and say, yep, chat GPT is in front of us. How do we use it to close the gap that is on the economic side? That is actually a great question. And the more immediate way that we sort of, I think, close that gap, right, has to be some of these companies. I just can't shake the fact, Dave. I really, and I know we've we've had a massive skills gap here in Wisconsin, where where I'm sitting and recording this podcast forever. You know, this dates back to the Scott Walker era, for mm -hmm. goodness sakes, mm -hmm. right? We understand that, but at the same time. We've seen some of these, you know, uh, new economy companies, the, the Twitters, the Facebooks, the Teslas, have this just unprecedented growth. And, and now I can't shake the fact that they've overhired and we're starting yep. to see layoffs yep. after layoffs after layoffs. I believe I saw Sirius XM Radio mm -hmm. cut 8% of their workforce today. I mean, it just... It feels like we're in a transition period where some of these companies that just had meteoric rise, I swear I'm not being overly bearish on Tesla or any of these companies. Um, I am bearish on Sirius XM satellite radio because it's the competition for what I do. Okay. <laughs> you need to listen to iHeartRadio or wherever you get fine podcasts. I'm a company man, doggone it. Um, but it can't. I can't help but think that if they're not hitting their peak right now, are we in the, the point where Facebook becomes sort of like Coca-Cola? Right. You're just not going to see that growth because it's it's already at a period of market dominance and they can kind of not necessarily coast, but they don't need 10,000 gender equity specialists. Yep, right. You know what but, I'm saying? See, well, there's companies that are hoarding employees. They had such a tough time trying to fill those jobs post-pandemic. They overhired, and now they don't want to let those folks go because they know how hard it, it was and what they had to do to get those employees. So they're hoarding employees, and what we're seeing is productivity is decreasing because of that. And so let's assume, let's take this full circle and talk about AI. 
What if those companies that are hoarding don't hoard them anymore and start to let those jobs go that perhaps they can use technology to become more efficient? I mean, just let your mind go and talk about any one of those things. I mean, I had an argument with with somebody uh, recently that said chat GPT is going to start replacing teachers and you think the teachers union is pissed off now wait till that stops wait till that starts happening great point right so there's just there's so much that's in front of us right now that it's really you know when people talk about you know the the best times are behind us i i don't believe that i think the best times are in front of us i'm very excited about so many things that are happening and the opportunities set i mean look at apple let me just go off sure here talk apple's up 20 percent this year and the target is higher well, how can that happen in a day and age where every single person has phones and some people have two, right? It's out there because what is their earnings? How much are they going to earn? What is happening? Do they get in, into the AI industry and, and how do you deliver that? Is it over your phone? I mean, think about the opportunity set. So, yeah, I mean, this is just we're, we're just pulling this out of our hat, but a pretty good podcast of just making stuff up. That was... <laughs> That was fantastic. Uh, what, what, did you, what did you put it? Uh, uh, authoritative, authoritative bullshit. Authoritative bullshit. Yeah. It is. Well, you know what it is? It's nobody is quite sure what the future is going to hold. Right. We, yep. we obviously know that. And what both you and I do, I do it in politics. You do it in economics. I, is we try I bullshit? To make our I make stuff guesses. up? Yes, you make stuff up. All just right. totally out of your butt. All right. Um, no, we, we try to make our best guess based right. on past performance, based on yep. everything. Yep. But ultimately, you know, the world is filled with what in your world are called black swan events. Mm-hmm. No one could have seen COVID-19 coming. And just look at how that completely changed the world. Hey, how about, before you get too far, how about yeah. now the change of now they're saying it came from the Wuhan lab? Oh, boy. I mean, Don't I know you me could do 15 on minutes on that. but Oh, I could do I could do three hours on that. Something that most reasonable people were saying from oh i don't know january of 2020 when china was lying about you want, it you when want a conspiracy said, you want a conspiracy yeah so china goes over to russia the cia says if you go over to help them we're going to tell the world that it came from the wuhan lab we're going to blame it on you I like that. Uh, here's, how's that for the conspiracy group? I, you know what? I think there might be something to that. But, you know, reasonable people were saying that. I think the, the broader issue, Dave, is we weren't allowed to say that. Right. You would get booted off of social media if you said something that... You did. Didn't, didn't you get nicked? I, oh, gosh. I got nicked for... It was the vaccines. I said, yeah. look... It's pretty clear the vaccine is not stopping the spread of COVID. It may be good at dealing with symptoms and lessening the severity, but people are get. I would get, I periodically, I would get just a one month ban from YouTube. I got booted off of Facebook for saying something similar. In, in early 2020, you would get booted off for saying, hey, it looks pretty obvious that this thing came from that Wuhan lab. You know, reasonable people were saying, oh, it's a bioweapon. China is doing this intentionally. No, it's the the simplest explanation, Occam's razor, that it was incompetence, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that it was a scientist in a lab where we know they didn't take proper safety precautions for doing very serious biomedical experiments accidentally infected him and went over to the lab to get lunch i probably should have took this glove off uh, (laughs) it it just it was always the thing that makes the most sense and what makes the most sense for you is to know in this still rocky and uncertain environment what you own 
why you own it. Head to AnnexWealth.com for a review of your portfolio. It's free. It's called a wealth metric. It's available only at AnnexWealth.com. For Dave Spano, President and CEO of Annex Wealth Management, I'm Dan O'Donnell, authoritative bullshitter, saying thanks for listening to The Difference. Annex Wealth Management is a registered investment advisor. For more information about our firm, please visit AnnexWealth.com. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is subject to change without notice. Opinions expressed are those of the participants and don't necessarily reflect those of Annex Wealth Management, its producers, hosts, or guests. The host of the podcast is compensated for his endorsement of Annex Wealth Management. Information presented should not be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice, or a recommendation or solicitation for the sale of any product or strategy. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from qualified professionals to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Investments involve risks. Neither Annex Wealth Management nor its podcast participants shall be liable for losses resulting from decisions based on information or viewpoints presented on this podcast.